What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, guys. Before we get started with this Mavs-Clippers Game 6 recap and what's really a season and review recap just wanted to tell all of our listeners out there how much we appreciate you uh matt and i we started this podcast in january of 2019 so it's been nearly two years now since we started this it doesn't feel like it but we've had a blast we had a blast this season uh we have stuff planned for you guys during the off season that's going to be fun uh and then heading into next year too but we're always open to feedback as well so if you want to contact me on Twitter at Dalton underscore Trig, or if you want to send a message to our uh, Twitter account at Step Back Mavs, if you have any suggestions, anything you'd like to see us do better, anything you'd like us to tweak, uh, maybe about the way we construct our podcast or stuff of that nature, we're always open to feedback. So feel free to contact us and let us know what you want to see done differently going into the future. But Again, just want to tell you all how much we appreciate you. It was a fun season, and I know the majority of our listeners listen on Apple Podcasts, uh, either before or after you listen. For those who do listen on Apple Podcasts, if you just take about 10 seconds to leave us a review there, that would be greatly appreciated. It helps us out so much, but uh, yeah, that's it. Just wanted to let you guys know how much we appreciate you and um, how much fun we've had this season. and. Only bigger things are going to be happening going forward. So, thank you. Hey, this is Dirk Nowitzki, and you listen to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. TK. I like this, TK. I like that. Yeah, it's the Mavericks, all about action. Don't do no acting, no Samuel Jackson. Dirk at the ball, you know that it's magic. Post move deadly, yeah, get tragic. Look with the ball, yeah, get nasty. He'll drop 30, don't got to ask him. Back to Doncic. Doncic pulls up, three-pointer. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host in Dallas Basketball and SI colleague, Matt Galatson. The Mavs, Matt, their season came to an end. Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers, they were just... They were too much for the Mavs, um, and especially with all the injuries and and everything, it just it became too much for this Mavs team. And you know, Luca facing elimination went out and scored 38 points, uh, put uh, grabbed nine rebounds, dished out nine assists, ends up averaging 31, nine and eight for the series, his first ever playoff series. So. Luca was amazing. He just he just couldn't get the help he needed uh, in this elimination game for the Mavs to force a game seven. But what what's your initial takeaways from that game six we just watched? Uh, they really needed KP. Um, oh yeah. Marcus Morris is a piece of trash. 
Oh yeah, hey, hey, you know the <laughs> the Mavs lost, but you know that that was something that made me very happy because after game five, you know Marcus Morris wrote like two or three paragraphs and tweets, you know, trying to defend his actions when he uh, clearly intentionally stepped on Luca's ankle, his hurt ankle in game five, and you know that with everything else going on. You know, with the league right now, they just kind of overlooked it, uh, which, you know, shouldn't have been done. And then sure enough, in the first quarter of game six, Morris comes out and just waylays Luca across the face intentionally and gets tossed with a flagrant two. So and then, like, <laughs> talk shit to him afterwards. Like, he, like, it's so obvious he did that on purpose. It, and I'm tired of it. Yeah. I'm I'm so tired of it. I'm glad they didn't get him this summer. Or at the um, trade deadline. Or at the trade deadline. Screw that guy. Uh, screw the Clippers. They're an annoying team. I hate them. They're now my top two or three hated teams. Um, I and you mean, know really and it, it's it's very rare. It's very rare that you see a team that becomes as disliked as this Clippers team is when they haven't won anything. You know, usually a team like the Warriors, they kind of they kind of started out as the NBA darlings and then, you know, over time during the middle of that dynasty is when they, you know, people started to dislike them a little bit, but you know, and that, you know, that mostly has to do with Draymond more than anything else, but this Clippers team, they haven't won anything, and it does seem like they're more disliked than your typical uh, team that hasn't won a title. Well, at the and same that, time, that, that has more to do with, you know, Marcus Morris and, and Montrez Harrell and uh, Patrick Beverly, who talks a lot of stuff, but he, you know, he didn't even hardly play in this series. Uh, it's guys like that. Now, Kawhi Leonard. I, there's nothing bad I can say about that dude. He, other than he's, you know, him flopping <laughs> throughout the course of the series. But for the most part, I mean, that guy, I mean, you can tell. This is why he's won two titles. He's been uh, MVP of the finals those two times he won it. And he's taken two different franchises to the top. I mean, you you can you can just see that he's just on a completely different level from anybody else on that Clippers team. And well, it makes me – and, look, I, I didn't get into – I said I was going to get into it after game four, but, you know, we were so excited about that Luca buzzer beater that I just kind of – I didn't dive into it like I wanted to. But can you imagine if Kawhi had joined the Mavs this past offseason instead of the Clippers? like pairing Luca and what he's proven that he can do in the postseason with Kawhi. And well, I mean, that was never a possibility, so it's not worth thinking about, honestly. What I wanted to talk about, I guess, was the future. You know, like where this team can go this summer, what they can do. There's going to be expectations. They're going to have to deal with some pretty mounting expectations. It's going to be a very difficult task for them next year. And I think that's very interesting and scary. And I can't, 
as many and I've looked at free agency lists more specifically unrestricted free agents for this offseason and other than Anthony Davis it's kind of an underwhelming list I mean it's not there's definitely some guys that can that can help the Mavs out but I've said it on a couple podcasts before this I'm I'm more looking towards the draft I'm interested if if they're going to actually keep that first round pick number 18 and then they have the Warriors uh, pick in the second round first pick in the second round number 31 I'm interested to see if they actually use those picks or if they'll look to you know trade and get a more established player since they're obviously they're in a win now mode after what they learned from themselves this season and in that playoff series with the Clippers. So, yeah, I mean, they've got to know that they're, they're one, they're one big piece or there are a couple, you know, lesser pieces that can be, you know, real complimentary pieces to Luca and KP away from being in title contention. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, there's some good players in this upcoming draft and in my opinion, there's some guys that can contribute from day one, but that's what I'm looking at because there's more potential trade possibilities that I think could happen and help the Mavs more than if they just, you know, draft a player and then go to free agency and try to, you know, improve the roster that way. So that's my thoughts. I mean, if they don't do that, if they do decide to draft somebody or draft a couple of guys and then get a couple of minor upgrades for the bench and free agency, that'd be great. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just – maybe I'm shooting too high. Maybe I'm shooting for the stars a little bit there. <laughs> no, I think you're taking the rational approach or the smart approach. I mean, that's what they should do. They shouldn't, even though the free agency class isn't stacked this summer, they shouldn't just sit on their asses with these two pretty good draft picks. I don't know anything about the draft this year other than um, I think LaMelo Ball is trash. And a lot they of don't people have, have him in, the, in, in these mocks. A lot of people have him going, you know, in the top three. So we'll see how that turns out. I don't, I don't get it. I, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie to people and tell them that I've watched like a million hours of LaMelo ball tape. Like I'm sure some people are going to say they have and they haven't because I mean, tell me where you're getting Australian basketball tape, but yeah. when you have two draft picks and you have some guys with tradable contracts, that can go help other teams that like DeLon Wright or whoever, you have to try to do something you have to. And I, I know they're not, you know, they, they've gone out and made trades before, obviously KP, um, I mean, they're not afraid to make a trade if the right situation presents itself. I just think they need to be a little bit more aggressive this summer than they are normally in, in the trade, you know, trade arena. Because a lot of times they kind of let these things fall into their laps. Like, I think the KP thing kind of fell into their lap a little bit. And then when they saw their opportunity, they were like, ooh, let's go do it. Whereas I think they need to, like, seek something out and be aggressive this time. Because they're so they're like they they're so far ahead of schedule and they're so close that if they could just get that one thing to put them over the top, I mean they could be in the Western Conference Finals next year. And 
when it comes to the Mavs front office, I I think, I mean, obviously they're not going to tell people this up front, but I I have a feeling that they've always, and this has been since last year, really. I feel like they've had an eye on 2021 free agency for a while now. And I think they've been keeping tabs on Giannis. And, you know, if if he doesn't take that uh, max extension from the Bucks this summer, what do the Bucks do? I mean, uh, do you play it out and have him potentially walk for nothing, take meetings and potentially walk for nothing during the offseason? Or do you try to get whatever you can, the best trade package you can, if you sense that he is going to walk. So if something like that comes up, I mean, I personally think that unless KP was offered up in a trade, that there are some other teams out there that could, you know, blow away what the Mavs could offer the Bucks. for Giannis. But I think that's the first guy you have to watch out for. And then, Right under him, and you might disagree with this or not, but I think Bradley Beal needs to be the second the second option there, at least to, you know, make a call about and see where the Wizards are at, if they're even willing to trade him, you know, what do they want. Um, I think that's where you have to start as far as actually targeting other players to add to this roster. Difference makers. Um, and then below Bradley Beal, you can get into like players like Zach Levine, which I know you're not a fan of, but I think he'd be an excellent fit with the Mavs. Uh, Victor Oladipo, there's a rumor that, you know, the Pacers had some locker room issues this year. Uh, they could potentially look to trade him. He's also going to be a free agent in 2021. Uh, who else am I not thinking of? Um, I don't know, but the idea of Victor Oladipo is very enticing. He really? Does a lot of because he, right? he's not making – you know, he's making about what Tim Hardaway Jr. is making. So He's not unattainable at all. Like, I would almost start there, go ahead and do something like that, and then reassess the situation afterwards and be like, okay, now how can we get even better? Because like having him, having someone like him in this series would have been, would have made it immensely different. Like just the style of defense that he plays alone, they were getting torched on defense the entire series. If they would have had someone with those kind of capabilities in there, I mean, we're talking about a totally different series. I think maybe I'm wrong, but yeah, and I mean, even with the defensive lapses. A couple of things go a different way, and at the very least, we're in a game seven, in my opinion, because I don't know. I mean, the stuff with KP, even before the minute, and and by the way, just shout out to Porzingis, because, you know, I saw some people on Twitter that were really questioning his toughness, you know, when he, he wasn't playing after game three, he missed game four, game five, and then, you know, before game six, they revealed that uh, he was playing with a torn meniscus that happened in game one, but they thought it was something that, you know, he could play through because there's different 
severities to meniscus tears. But how about Porzingis in game three, two games removed from tearing his meniscus, and he goes for 34 points and 13 rebounds against this Clippers team. (laughs) That was the game where Luka injured his ankle and went out, and he almost wheeled the Mavs back into it you know, to give them a chance to win at the end. At the very least, I don't want to hear anybody questioning KP's toughness from now on. He proved that. He proved that to me. Now, the injury concerns going forward, that's always been the biggest issue. But to the people questioning his toughness, I mean, I'd tell them to sit down. (laughs) Okay, two things. One, and you can answer this just yes or no, were the people questioning his toughness Knicks fans? No, no. I saw actual Mavs fans questioning his toughness. Okay, well, they're dumb. I hope they hear this because they're dumb. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to name names. I'll tell you afterwards when we get off, but some high-profile people. <laughs> the other thing is, like, having an injury problem, like being injury-prone, has nothing to do with toughness. It has to do with the fact that you're you're seven foot three, however many hundreds of pounds, running down a wooden floor, jumping and landing 25, 30 times a night. And your body takes a beating that it's not meant to take because it's freaking massive. And I will say this. A lot of tall guys have injuries all the time. I will say this. If, if there's one thing that the people who I saw, you know, questioning KP's toughness, if there's one thing that I can be like, okay, well, I can kind of see your point there. The Mavs have always, you know, they, they knew that he had a meniscus tear since game one, but they didn't put that out there uh, for two, uh, two, three. It was, it was the four games after that because we didn't know about till after game five. So, yeah, that was annoying. You're just, if you're just going to list it as general knee soreness, for that many games, I mean, most of us, we, we, we know how the Mavs do, so we can read through the lines. After that second missed game, we, we kind of knew, yeah, something is, is definitely up because he wouldn't just be missing these important playoff games in a, in a competitive series just because of knee soreness. But, you know, to the average fan, uh, to the average viewer watching and reading stuff, when you see knee soreness and you see a guy sitting out in the playoffs, I can see how some people would, would question his toughness. So a little bit of that is on the Mavs because, I mean, they should have just told everybody what it was uh, from the get-go. Now, maybe, maybe KP didn't want that information out. Maybe that had something to do with it. But whatever the case is, I'm just trying to – I'm trying to play devil's advocate here. You know, maybe that's why – we were seeing questions. I would be inclined to believe that KP didn't want that out there if yeah. I didn't already know the way the Mavericks did stuff. Right. Because they are so hush-hush about everything. And if a player gets seriously injured, like unless you see it happen, like a guy breaks an ankle on the court or something like that, and it's very obvious – they're going to come out and say something and try and play it off for a little while as long as they can until they finally have to relent and be like, okay, it's been two weeks since this guy's played. This is what's right. going on. 
I mean, that's just how they've always been. Well, like the stuff with, with with Seth Curry's ankle or foot or whatever last year. Um, well, and, and we talked we talked about it a little bit before, but even in twenty uh, Seth Curry's not, first you know, go, remember what I'm talking about not last year, whenever that was. Yeah, it was 2016. It was Seth Curry's first go around with the Mavs, where it was like two or three weeks where they said that his leg was sore, and he just kept missing game after game after game, and we were just like. Okay, well, <laughs> I don't think he'd be missing this much time just because of a, you know, a sore leg. I mean, what's causing the soreness? You know, it's right. it's technically the truth. It's just not, <laughs> it's not revealing the full situation. And then sure enough, he had a stress fracture or something of that nature and had to have a season-ending surgery. So It's like saying you made a mistake when you burned your house down. <laughs> <laughs> just like not what's a, true, it's just and, yeah. Then way you can worse say what I'm saying. <laughs> then you can say, yeah, well, I didn't lie, but you know, <laughs> just didn't quite tell the whole truth there. But yeah, KP was awesome when he did play. Um, Though you know, the one game of that entire series where both Luca and KP played the entire game was game two, and the Mavs won by 13. So, that that's something to look at. I mean, I, I think they both proved that they can be lethal in the postseason. It's just the, the roster. And, I mean, it's not guys like Trey Burke, Tim Hardaway Jr., aside from game six, he had a great series, shot almost 40% from three until uh, today's game when he shot just two of 11 from three. But they, Luca and KP, mainly Luca, because if KP, depending on how many games he has to sit out due to load management during a regular season and everything, they just need more help. Um, and like I said, I, I think that's where we're going to start this off season uh, is at the draft. And I, I just, there's some guys I like. I know you haven't gotten into the you know, the whole draft prospect thing yet. But uh, Josh Green from Arizona, he's a guy that I really like. I think he'd be a great fit. I think he'd be a guy that could contribute from day one, really athletic. He's good on the offensive and defensive end. So that's a guy I'm looking at. Uh, pretty much everybody that's a wing. <laughs> a wing that can shoot – and uh, play a 3-and-D wing. That's what I'm looking at in the draft. But like Victor Oladipo? I mean, yeah. But the thing with the thing with Oladipo is he's 6-4, which I get it. I mean, I you're not going to have everybody Luca's size at every position from small forward down. So, I get that, but that would be my only – hesitation there i mean i i'd like for them to to start with bill and just see what happens can i make a counter argument sure i mean i get i totally get that i'm not i mean this is just me making it well well and before you say that it's not even just that alone it's you know he has his own injury history as well so but anyway well yeah but my my thing is Rick Carlisle already likes to play two guys that are 5'11 at the same time. 
So if you can just make one of those guys 6'4 instead of 5'11, I think that's a huge win. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I definitely get what you're saying there. And uh, I don't know, man. I, I'll say this. I will not be disappointed. I'll actually be ecstatic if they did end up with Victor Oladipo. I mean, yeah, I've got some guys – ahead of him that I'd like but I think he what he does is exactly what the team needs uh you know he he does he didn't look the same coming back from that that knee injury I believe it was a knee injury he had last year with the Pacers but uh he didn't look the same coming back but he still had his moments and we already know how the Mavs are with you know uh, rehabbing players reclamation projects and I wouldn't say Victor Oladipo is to the point of a a reclamation project yet he just he just looked like he lost a step a little bit but you have to take into consideration what Victor Oladipo looks like on the Pacers even after coming back from his injury as the first option versus being the third option on the Mavs so also I have one more shoot was only six five wasn't that was that? Bradley Beal is only six five. He is, but you know he. <laughs> so I some, mean, if, if if I'm just saying, there there's only an inch difference there. But for some reason, it just seems like so much more. I don't know, man. <laughs> it just maybe that's just me being extremely picky. But anyway. No, I mean I'm I get it. I'm just saying. You know. Oladipo is definitely the more attainable trade target. So I, I definitely agree with that. And I think he'd be amazing in Dallas, uh, especially as a third option. Wouldn't have near the responsibilities he has in Indiana. He could just – and, I mean, he'd have so many more wide-open shots. And he'd be he'd, he'd actually be able to hit them, <laughs> which is a big thing uh, with this current Mavs roster. I mean, guys have been great throughout the regular season. Uh, even Finney Smith today, he he hit some big shots. He was uh, – let me see here. I believe he was the Mavs' second leading scorer. Yes, he was with 16 points. And then other than Luka and Finney Smith, Tim Hardaway Jr. was the only other Maverick today with double-digit points with 10. And he went 4 of 15 from the field. So – they just have to get some more help. That, that's all there is to it. Um, you know, Maxi, he shot close to uh, 40% from three on the season. Just had an abysmal series, abysmal first playoff series shooting the ball. And it's not like it was short. I mean, a lot of people wanted to say, okay, Maxi's putting forth all this effort on defense against uh, Kawhi and Paul George. And that's what's zapping his ability to hit threes. But here's my argument for that. If that was the case, he'd be short on all of his threes. But if you go back and look at his shots throughout this series, he's actually been too strong on a lot of them. And then <laughs> earlier in this game six with the Clippers, he shot one. It looked, it looked like it was online. It looked like it was going to be a swish. And it hit every single part of the rim rolling around and just rolled out. And I'm thinking, man. That's just <laughs> – I don't know what that is. It's just not his series. But uh, they definitely need to get some 
some more options to where when Maxie's not hitting or Tim Hardaway Jr. is not hitting that you have other options you can go to and you don't just have to keep force feeding those guys. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's, I mean, it's frustrating, but it goes back to, you know, what they did this past summer. There were some guys they could have picked up that they could have gone to in situations like that, but they didn't. So, and as, as amazing I, as Kawhi Leonard was, he ended up with 33 points, 14 rebounds, and seven assists. Guess who had – and, I mean, I don't know if, you're, if you've looked at the box score yet. If you haven't, don't look. Just guess. Guess who had the biggest plus-minus for the Clippers? The biggest, like, plus however many? Yeah, plus-minus in the box score. Um, I mean, if it's not Kawhi. Right, not Kawhi. Just, just guess who, who had the biggest. <laughs> I mean, I would guess, like, probably – it's definitely not Marcus Morris. Uh, <laughs> I would guess either, like, Shamit or Zubak, probably. It was Zubak, a 33-plus minus. The only reason I would have said him was because he was out there so much. In 33 minutes, he was a plus 33, and that was by far the best on the Clippers. Yeah, he crushed them. He was big all series. He was he had that one game before the series even started, uh, that one bubble game where I think he went nine for nine from the field <laughs> against the Mavs. He was it was just brutal. Uh, so he was really good. I can't believe the Lakers just handed him to the Clippers. We have one listener who's like almost weirdly obsessed with Zubak. And was like, oh yes, I know who you're talking about. <laughs> I remember he, he he commented on our some of our pods like like consecutive ones in a row about how they should go after Zubak. And I, I just kind of played it off. Maybe they should have. Maybe that guy was <laughs> yeah. right. <laughs> yeah, it was. I think it was the YouTube videos. There was like five in a row that he kept commenting that, and we were just like, oh my god, dude, <laughs> just let it go at Zubak. And now. Now I'm thinking, like, man, he he would have really come in handy, especially with the KP news that broke down, so broke broke out during the series. So I don't know, man. Uh, you know, we it's been a fun season. That was an extremely fun playoff series. I I know I got what I wanted out of it. Given your post playoff, I mean, hold on, wait. Yeah, pre given your pre-playoff expectations, Matt, I assume that you know you got everything you wanted out of it as well, plus some. So, I yeah, mean, it was, I, I did. It could have gone another way, but I mean, all things considered, I think this is going to end up being a great thing for the Mavs going forward. Yeah, I mean, and Luca talked about it afterwards. Um, I mean, it's, it really comes down to really just one thing that he said after the series was over, and it's my only goal is a championship. Right. And, you know, that, that's the kind of mentality that he has to have. That's the kind of mentality that they have, the whole franchise has to have going forward to put the right guys around him so that if they come up in another series like this, they don't get 
screwed over because one of their players got thrown out or because one of their players, you know, tears a meniscus, you know, or whatever. They, they need to be able to build that depth around them so they can get to that point. And right. if they carry that mentality over into the offseason, I think really good things are going to happen. And after – I mean, after that uh, rookie season that Luca had, and I wrote about it before the season about how he was about to break out in the second second year, but he even surpassed my expectations. And when you have the kind of rookie season that he had that we hadn't seen since Oscar Robertson, uh, and then to come back this year, and he was so good that he went from that rookie season to this year, and now he's a most improved candidate. <laughs> I mean, you know a guy – really took it up a couple of notches for to have that happen but well he'll be an mvp candidate next year and you know i think uh tim mcmahon tweeted uh, right as the game was ending and i i think this kind of summed up everybody's feelings or at least it summed up my feelings on this series but he tweeted out Kawhi leonard has reminded us this series why he's a two-time finals mvp Luka Doncic has reminded us why it surprised nobody if he ends up earning at least a couple of those awards himself. Yeah. So, but like you said, that that's the goal. That's the goal. Uh, they Luka has surpassed everybody's expectations. His meteoric rise to stardom, MVP level, he'll probably end up being a, you know, all-NBA first-teamer in his second season. At the very least, he'll be a sec- second-team guy. But If he's I a second-team guy, screw the system. Well, I mean, you never know. It's people <laughs> – uh, the way people were uh, – like Zach Lowe, I saw him put out his – I think he put out his – what he voted on that ballot, and he had Dame ahead of Luca, which I definitely did not agree with. Dame's awesome, but no. Uh, but he's definitely going to get high, high honors for this season. Uh, and the Mavs knew it early, too. They Even before this second season with Luka, they figured out before the trade deadline, like, okay, this roster isn't doing it. We need to completely forget everything we were thinking about, you know, Harrison Barnes and DeAndre Jordan and Wes Matthew. We just need to clean the slate, and we need to build around this guy. And so they did it that first time. It worked out pretty well because Tim Hardaway Jr. has turned out good. Uh, KP, when he's out on the floor, he is amazing. Uh, Even Trey Burke, who they let go temporarily, and he's back now, you know, that turned out to be a good pickup uh, for them. So that has to be the mindset. From from Luka to the front office, that's what they have to do this summer. And I'm excited to see how they go about it. But I guess that's about it, Matt. Uh, you know, we'll we'll keep coming coming back and giving some uh, some of our off season takes. I've got a lot of them. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, you know, we've <laughs> I, I probably drive you crazy as many times as I text you. Hey, what about this guy in a trade? What about this guy in a trade? How about this guy in free agency? So. I think I'm going to take some of that and instead of just annoying the crap out of you, 
texting it to you or sending it to you and Kirk on Twitter or something like that. That's what we're going to start doing as, you know, this season, overall NBA season winds down and we get closer to the draft and free agency. But what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> you don't drive me crazy, Dalton. I, well, you don't always drive me crazy. I was about to say, I appreciate you saying that, but, I mean, I'm also self-aware and I know <laughs> – my brain is a never-ending TradeNBA.com cycle, so. I can get I, into those moods, too. <laughs> Again, the key, the key phrase there is never-ending. But, you know, I, I, think our, I think our listeners enjoy that. I know last offseason was crazy. Every single pie we put out, uh, you know, about free agency ideas and trade ideas around the draft and stuff like that. People seem to love that. So we'll definitely give some of that another go here in the next couple of weeks. But, guys, that's going to do it for another episode. It was a super fun season, really fun first playoff series for Luka. Uh, first playoff series for the Mavs since 2016. So, I mean, that was that was just an awesome experience. We got the full the full package there. So. Now we'll watch the rest of the NBA playoffs and just wait for the offseason. But, guys, we appreciate it. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite platforms. Uh, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a review on there if you don't mind. That really helps us out. I know from our, our Anchor Analytics, it seems the vast majority of our listeners listen on Apple Podcasts. So if you don't mind taking a few seconds to do that, that really helps us out, and we really appreciate it. But guys, y'all have a great week this week. Enjoy watching the rest of the playoffs. We'll see you. Take a step back, reminiscing about the old days When I hooped outside with my friends and drunk that OJ Crossover doing step backs in a pair of J's These days I'm about my chips like a bag of Lay's I ain't lying when I tell you people ain't the same How you real when you say your soul for the fame Do anything for a dollar I'ma stay patient cause I know God promised me a lot of Looked up the Dirk and MJ instead of blue collar Excited at the idea of being a true baller Riding in the bins, a copper and pile Feeling like I made it, now they trying to holler This how we thinking life's supposed to be Media keeping all my friends close to me Feeding me all the lies and propaganda in my eyes I've been here forever, they thinking that I just arrived Now step back and go on more of a letter I treat this rap game like it's target practice And I ain't even got an aim in my seeing headshots just for saying my name now I'm 18, they say I'm acting different. Labels call my phone, but I'm lacking interest. Ain't talked to my friends in a while. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.